starting the show what is the show called <laughs> you're Book listening covers. to the long overdue podcast that's what it's called right yeah that's what the show is called it's true that's us yeah the long overdue podcast from decatur public library in decatur texas here we are and we're here <laughs> it's dawn and denise Hello. and chris Hi. and me and pat and I just ran right through everybody's names, so nobody got to say hello while their name was there. Well, I, yeah, I said hello when you said Denise. So yeah, that was good. So and then I just didn't even well. try. <laughs> I was just like, well, man, this is going to go well. Today. <laughs> <laughs> just tell already. <laughs> so. Are our listeners looking for entertainment today? I hope so. Because if they are, we've got them covered. This is the, oh, <laughs> oh, we've got them covered. Yep. What do you mean by that, Chris? Oh my gosh. Well, I came I came to this podcast today with under the impression that we're going to talk about book covers. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? I think so. Book covers. You mean like you mean like judging books by their covers? Yeah, among other things. <laughs> Great. Okay, so how many books do we have in our collection? We should just start pulling them out. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a good book? This is going to be another one of those on location. (laughs) In the main library. Yes. And traffic noise. We can have simulated wind (laughs) and simulated traffic. Hmm. We don't have to. I think we all brought books. We did. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to look at book covers and talk about books okay so i was a little more strategic about mine because i kind of felt like my titles might be a little bit more uh give away what it's about and so i covered a little bit of some things just a little and only on two maybe three (laughs) oh interesting (laughs) how many books did you bring um let's see one two three four five yeah 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 so not like 20 (laughs) good is that what we were supposed to be doing? Guessing what a book is about by its cover? Yeah. Oh, I did not come with that. Well, I think we can we can do lots of things. I just came to talk about book covers because. Okay. I just. I guess I could have picked some random books, but. I guess I guess perhaps planning what our subject really is about would be a good idea for next time. No, I knew that that's what our subject was. I knew it was something like that, but <laughs> honestly, I was. Honestly, just, I mean, I was doing well three of us are on the same page. Uh, <laughs> so. I'll just guess your books along with you. I think that's fair. Well, you brought books too. I we did. Can, we can look at those. I know things about these books. Oh, uh, that's okay. We don't necessarily. And I read this one. Huh. Okay. So, okay. So, Dawn, let's start with one of yours. Okay. Which one of mine... Which one am I? So I guess we're gonna we're gonna have to be descriptive mm-hmm. about what the cover looks like, and then we'll start talking about it. Is that fair? Yep. Okay. Okay. So the I will tell you the title of this book. It uh-huh. is called Pretty Paper. Pretty Paper. And it has a picture of a man on it, but it's like a face. 
Oh, I know so, about that book. Yeah. That looks like... Oh, man, see, y'all know the books. See, yes, that looks like Willie Nelson. It is. It is Willie Nelson. Nobody else has a bandana and... and and a parade down both sides. Well, That's I'm going to say <laughs> that when I used to go to the gym, <laughs> and sometimes when I would go in the middle of the day, there was a guy there that looked exactly <laughs> like Willie Nelson. <laughs> and pretty the paper. Bandana, but does Willie Nelson live around here? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, he lives in Lukenbach, but you know, he could. Oh, does he really? No, he doesn't. <laughs> really? I th- doesn't he live there? I have no idea. Where he lives in Texas live. somewhere. Well, yeah, Texas we're in Texas. Right. It's a big state. I'm pretty sure that wasn't Willie Nelson in the gym oh, okay. in the middle of the day. You think that wasn't him? <laughs> well, you know, for somebody who, who still does like touring and gigs, during oh, the yeah. day would be the time you would work out, right? Sure. I would think that he has his own private place to do that if he was going to do that. <laughs> But because he might really just want to make okay, some appearances and go well, into you know. to the gym and say, I'm Willie Nelson. Can I use your gym? Can I walk on your treadmill so people can see me? That's true, too, I guess. Yeah, he could just do that. Okay, oh so gosh. what else can you tell about this book? It's Christmas because I see I see Christmas. snowflakes. And Pretty Paper is a Christmas song. Yeah, it's about Christmas, but sad Christmas. I stink at this game. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was my most, like, in-your-face one. Because I wanted to just see if you guys recognized Willie Nelson. I thought it was a funny... Well, funny I cover. guess, you know, it's not entirely entirely fair, I guess, that I'm the one who ordered that book. Yeah, and I cataloged yeah. the book, And you cataloged probably, it. So. And I like so. Willie Nelson. So, so I'm yeah. just like... You didn't have a chance <laughs> It so was, do I get to go again? If you want to, you sure may. How many did you bring? <laughs> a what about thousand. five? Oh, one, two, five. three, four, five, six. Okay, so Denise brought six. I did. Maybe we should let her do one. But I brought two by the same author. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. You're giving stuff away. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure these are two different series, but... Okay, so first, have any of y'all read this Willie Nelson book? No. Mm-hmm. No. I know the song. I figured I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, yeah. <laughs> Pretty weird. It's one of those songs that we don't uh-huh. listen to in our households. Why? I don't know. Wait, is that well, like I don't too personal? To <laughs> no, it's not. It's just one of those Christmas songs that we're like, eh. It's like Blue Christmas, right? Yeah, or something like that. So it's yeah. more of a downer. Or, yeah. Or I wish yeah. I had a river I could skate away on or... I don't know that. Isn't that I'm a sorry, Christmas song? Sorry, we are song? all just I've looking at Chris like that. <laughs> what is that? What? I, I wish, wish I had, I had a, river. a river. I could skate away on. Yeah. Sing it. Go. I, it? Yeah, never. It's coming on Christmas, and they're cutting down trees. Over the river. And no. It's not that one. They're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace. I wish I had a river I could skate away on. Hmm. Don't think I've heard that one. Yeah, I don't What? I don't That's an old that. classic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I don't know. I just know that Jessica doesn't like I can the I can just song, hear it so. with with a heavy metal band backing it up. No, I I don't know that I've really listened to the original a lot, but I like the the Sixpence None the Richer cover. Hey. But I like I do No downer <laughs> Christmas tunes at your house. Not necessarily. Okay. Just ones that 
<laughs> Jessica doesn't like that song, so we don't listen to it. Just like the Little Drummer Boy. Oh my we don't gosh, I to love that the either. Little Drummer there Boy. Was never, there was no Little Drummer Boy. What the heck? How do you know? Were you there? No. Well. So I guess there's a, a percentage of a chance that there could have been a Little Drummer Boy. There probably wasn't snow either, but... That's right. You know, whatever. Anyway. I, I think the point of the Little Drummer Boy is valid, so... Okay. You know... Maybe we're off the subject. Thanks for sharing that, Dawn. <laughs> You're welcome. So now, bringing it back to Denise. <laughs> Go, Denise. So, this is a very classic-looking sci-fi cover. It's called The Crystal Singer. Mm. Oh, and she has a crystal. She's got a crystal. She has. And she's got something around her neck. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? What? Star Trek in her But she's wearing red. Yeah. Her That's face, no her good. Her face looks like yeah. she just ate something really Star bitter. Trek. Yeah. They wear red. Got... Only if they're going to die. What? The red shirts. Yes, red shirts always die. They're the ones. <laughs> no. We have a book called Red Shirts yes. by John Scalzi. Read it. It's great. Red shirts is synonymous with expendable characters yeah, that expendable probably expendable extra die. who may or may not get their name in the credits <gasps> for that episode, but they're going to die before the hour's over. Okay, I'm going to have to read it. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch Star Trek with a new, fresh vision now. Yeah, so, so you could watch Galaxy Quest, too. It's, Is that the one that's on now? There. Is it no, that's there? the Orville. The Orville, yes. But no, Galaxy Quest is a movie that made fun of Star Trek. So Why would I watch that? Because <laughs> it's funny. Is it like a roast? It's dang funny. It's more like an homage. Would you? Yeah, you're right. Would you watch one of those um, about Star Wars? Sure. <laughs> have, don't they have that? It's called Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Yeah. It's really stupid, but they have it. <laughs> okay, back to Denise. So is she a red shirt? I don't know. Is she what? Is she a red shirt? I don't know. So, I don't think so. But she's I'm pretty sure she's, she's the, the main, main character. character. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so really sad. looking so at let us, yeah, let us see at this it again. Cover, I would say this is sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's like late sixties, early maybe seventy, early seventies. It's by Anne McCaffrey. It is by Anne McCaffrey. So she looks like she's on like a faraway planet. Yeah. Or in so the, the copyright was nineteen eighty two. Ooh, wow. <laughs> And what, mm. what age did you put it in? I said late decades? 60s, early 70s. Okay. I have absolutely no idea what this book is about. Crystal Singer. Well, knowing about the Dragon Song series that she wrote, I would guess that crystals have some kind of innate power, but it's latent until the appropriately gifted singer comes along who can sing the magic out of the crystal that would be my guess hmm. i imagine there's That's a crystal a like someone who sings to crystals or with crystals or sings yeah, yeah. there's singing and crystals involved it's my guess it's the singer <laughs> is not made of crystal i bet no no i think that the singer and the crystal are two separate things Maybe she has a really high-pitched voice that it will crack well, crystals. Uh, according to the extremely long blurb in this uh, book. Extremely long Yeah, it's blurb. both of these little flaps. Oh, both flaps. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they couldn't fit it all in one. Couldn't fit it all in <laughs> one. She has a perfect pitch. Um, 
Despite her work, despite her perfect pitch, she vows to abandon theater arts entirely. So it sounds very real world like. It does. I do not get that from the cover. Uh -uh. No, I would never have guessed that. Uh -uh. Unless she ran away and she's hiding and living in that little cave there in the barren mountains that she's (laughs) in her really weird yeah (laughs) outfit her red spandex hey that's an 80s like yoga or (laughs) exercise she just needs a headband olivia newton john right yeah well she doesn't have leg warmers though she doesn't and she's got that weird big necklace on her yeah okay okay now it's gotten a little weird (laughs) You had to get that far before I had to get it got that weird. Far before I was like, <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, first of all, before we go any farther, would you read the book? Looking Mm-mm. at the cover. No. I might have 40, 30 years ago. <laughs> not yeah, today. I, don't, I don't think I would either. All right, Denise, tell us. So, there is a dynamic stranger is a miner of crystals on the planet Ballybran, a remote and dangerous place. Of course, we knew that. Yep. Crystal singers, as they're called, extract and shape the valuable fragile minerals used for intergalactic communication. Mm. Perfect pitch, sound, body, and mind. These are the exacting qualifications needed for membership in the elite and enormously profitable Heptite Guild, the ruling body of Ballybran. Hmm. Interesting. Huh, okay. So it's kind of like the Dragon Riders of Pern, except with yeah. crystals and crystals singers instead? Them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that hmm. was super long. <laughs> and I don't think we still even know what it's about. Nope. No. Other than there's crystal singers, and they're important. They shape the crystals for communication. Mm-hmm. That's all we know. You can't write a whole book just about that. Where's the conflict? Wow. I think the conflict is is a is she doesn't want to sing within to herself. Yeah. She wants yeah. to she wanted to be in theater Finding arts. Finding her place and where she But belongs. now she's got to sing to crystals. Yeah. <laughs> Not the same. Yeah, she doesn't want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> now she's an intergalactic singer. Yeah, I If I am correct, which, you know, who knows? Coin toss. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's very real world. And then she meets that stranger, the dynamic stranger. And he wants to take her back to to his world for so crystal shaping. Kind of like a portal. Crystal shaping. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, Denise. It's kind of like a, a portal, sh- portal fantasy. Except But the in crystal space. thing is like... Um, um, the Robert Jordan, Wheel of Time has crystal communication, and so does the Gap series by Stephen R. Donaldson. Oh, okay. So this is not a unique thing, but this precedes those, doesn't it? Nineteen eighty-two. Well, it precedes Robert Jordan. It probably does. I think that the Gap series was started in. Oh my goodness. Oh no, no, I'm gonna look it up if this thing works. Where did they get their ideas for crystal communication? From Anne McCaffrey. Right. Maybe. Whereas we can't Does anybody have an original idea anymore? Crystals have always (laughs) been a thing. Like (laughs) have always been a thing. Yeah, like pretty much every or like I don't know, maybe not every, but I 
you know, half of the, uh, like, you know, JRPG stories or Final Fantasy or whatever. There's always crystals. Like, crystals are always important. But how old are those? They're not as old as that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure crystals were important before that, too. Like, crystal healing and stuff. Crystal traditions. math. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Crystal. I'm trying to think of all rock, the forms rock, of crystal. Rock candy. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Puts a whole new light on Big Rock Candy Mountain, oh, doesn't it? Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. All right. Sorry. Um, I'm I'm looking it up because I'm. Poor taste. Oh, yep. 1990 is when oh, the the, the real story came out. So yeah. Wow. Huh. Supposedly, like, if you have two molecules that are perfectly like in tune with each other, yeah, and in, in like a crystal form, then you can use them to send messages. Over like mm-hmm. l- like thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of light years because they interact with each other. They're like duplicates <gasps> of each other. Uh, like like the core of a wand in the Harry Potter world that speaks to each other if they're made from the same material. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> So we could just find a crystal and talk to it, and we don't know if somebody else has one oh just like goodness. it. Is there someone on the other wow. end? Yeah. Huh. That's what he just said, kind of. It's pretty much. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's more to it than that, but I don't know. You think? Our simplistic world here. Well, you know. Let's find some crystals. <laughs> right? See, we can talk to it. I did try reading the Dragon Riders of Pern the first mm-hmm. one when oh, you know years ago and I, I think i gave it a fair shake but i just couldn't get into i i read several it. but they got less and less interesting because it it i don't know i was not a dragon i don't know i don't I consider them dragon person i don't, I don't really know. consider them like real dragons why not in the fantasy sense anyway because they're more like final or like like uh Science fiction, aren't they? They're like genetically created or something like that. It, yeah. And they use them to and fight. Why is that stuff that falls from the sky? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. And There's no magic or anything. Is there? Is there magic in those books? Well, the only mat. Well, no. But the only that the sort of magical thing is that you have to be the right kind of person to be able to communicate with them. Kind of like a horse whisperer. Yeah. Kind of. Which is also only a real not. thing. I'm just watching you guys. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, yeah, okay. (laughs) You want to do another one, Don? Sure, I'll do another one. Which one do I pick? You guys have seen all these books. Not Lily Nelson. Okay. Okay. So this book is called I Am the Messenger. And there are playing cards on the front with... A joker wearing a playing card. Hmm. And there's a picture of an old, like, courthouse building. There's a picture of a gun, a pistol, a dog. The messenger gets shot, doesn't he? That's, see, that's why I picked this. <laughs> you gotta shoot the messenger. Because that's the first thing I think of right? when you oh, tell me all those things. Yeah, I'm still back on the playing cards. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm sure. sort of stuck on that. How they would... 
play into it? Because that's the first thing I thought is... play into it. I didn't even plan that. (laughs) (laughs) So just looking at the cover, not looking at who wrote it, Uh it, I'm I'm just stumped. Well, I'm stumped anyway. But it's by Marcus Suzak, who wrote The Book Thief. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. serious stuff. It's not... Mm -hmm. A frivolous thing. It's not like we're going to sit around playing cards and it's. Is it about a school shooting? Ooh. Hmm. Ooh, I don't know. I, see, I haven't read the cover on this one yet, so let me see. The back was not telling at all. It was not helpful. Uh, so, this is a YA book, okay. by the way. Um, let's see. And of course, it starts with a peaceful life. Of course. <laughs> and then an Everyone ace does. arrives in the mail. Oh, that's when Ed becomes the messenger. So is Ed the main character? I'm guessing. We guess. Yes. Does he keep getting cards in the mail? Um, we don't know. I don't know. It's an unforgettable journey filled with laughter, fits, and love. What? So probably not a school shooting. (laughs) (laughs) You were hopeful, but Uh, it's not. It's about who's behind his mission. Okay, so he's pathetic at playing cards, hopelessly in love with his best friend, Audrey, and utterly devoted to his coffee-drinking dog, Uh, the doorman. The doorman is the name of the dog? Yes. It drinks coffee. He's he a psychopath. Does. <laughs> it doesn't say, say whether it's... episode, whatever last week was. 67. 67. Thank you, Denise. His life is one of peaceful routine and incompetence until he inadvertently stops a bank robbery. That's when the first ace arrives in the mail and he becomes the messenger. Chosen to care, he makes his way through town helping and hurting when necessary. Until only one question remains. Who's behind Ed's mission? Huh. Weird. That sounds interesting. It is kind of intriguing, isn't it? Yeah, it does. It legitimately sounds like a fascinating story. So who would read it? I might. I might read it. Time constraints considered, I would read it. Okay. If I had, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, just it doesn't sound interesting. I, like something right. Or would I'm, you? Read I'm not this saying book? give it to me right now. No. But, no. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here, Chris, read it. No. <laughs> I expect you to have this read by the next recording. <laughs> no. <laughs> then I won't read it. Guess what? We're going to report on all these books next time. <laughs> We judged a book by its cover, and now we're going to read it. <laughs> now see if we're, we're right. <laughs> so I've got one. It's called The Weekend by Bernard Schlink. And, and it's just very simple. There's, a, there's an overnight bag. It looks like a fancy overnight bag. It's kind of made of leather or something, and it's got metal fittings. So it's not just like a duffel bag. But then there's weird things next to it, like wires. Oh, there are. And then you turn to the back, <gasps> and it's dynamite. Oh, my. So it is called The Weekend. Not The Weekend at Bernie's. No. no. <laughs> it is not. But it looks like it has 
some <laughs> Birdie <death>. potential. <laughs> right, it does. <laughs> so the first thing I think about when I see that is German, just because of his last name, Schlenk. Okay. And uh, it looks like that older style European kind of a bag. Okay. To me. Uh-huh. So maybe it's about um, espionage. Or oh my gosh. What? That's so good. <laughs> I got thought it? it was just like people, you know, lovers spat and he decided to blow her up or something. <laughs> <laughs> huh. That, I mean. I was thinking like weekend job involves. Oh. Like a bank robbery. Yeah, dropping well, dynamite maybe. off it and. Blowing things up. I don't blowing know. things up on the weekends for your for your side your side gig or gig. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Let me okay. just say, if that's my side gig, I better be pay- getting paid quite a lot for uh-huh. that, and it, then it wouldn't be my side gig. It would just be my gig. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta like maintain some kind of cover. True. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I'd have to have a regular job. <laughs> Yeah, in mm. a regular life. Mm, like a librarian? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, Dawn. You need, like, some kind of Cayman Island account to keep all your, like, other money in. Right? Hmm. Maybe we need to, to talk about the um, the benefits of Cayman Islands versus Switzerland banks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could learn a lot looking into that. Yeah. So... This author divides his time between Berlin and New York, so the German connection was right on target. Okay. Um, So the main character, Jörg, is a convicted murderer and terrorist, and after 24 years, he's released from prison. And his sister has gathered other people that know him, to meet with him for the weekend, and they're going to plot all kinds of things after that. So, Well, he's not yeah. wasting any time, is he? Old friends mm-hmm. and lovers reunite for a weekend in a secluded country home after spending decades apart, excavating old memories and passing clandestine judgments on the widely divergent paths they've taken since their youth, but not just any reunion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Actually sounds intriguing. I might read it. Passions against pragmatism, ideas against actions, and hopes against heartbreaking realities. The Weekend by Bernard Schlink. (laughs) All right. That's what I got. All right. Are you going to go, Chris? If you want. Heck yeah. (laughs) Sure. This one's good. I like to make fun of this cover, but before we get into that, let's just look at it. Just look at it. No one probably knows some about this because it's a YA book. Yeah. Okay. This cover has a young woman on the front. She's dressed in what looks kind of like a dress that's crimson and black armor, and she has in one hand a samurai sword. And the other hand is covered in like black articulated armor, kind of like the wraiths from Lord of the Rings. Hmm. And this character, if that is supposed to be like a samurai sword, she doesn't look in any way related to the culture 
that that comes from. Uh-huh. So she's I'm like, very white. Yes. I'm like, why is she holding a sword? Uh-huh. Which, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm not saying that, you know, she, she can't, can't use a sword yeah. like that. That's fine. Um, anyway, it's called Sworn to Raise. So, the background there is snowy mountain peaks, but you can't really tell where she is in relation to that. I mean, they're all very small, way in the distance mm-hmm. behind her, so it's mm-hmm. really hard to tell what her relationship is to those mountains. It's, I don't know. What is it? Tara Eden is the author. So, she looks like a badass, <clears throat> Right. Yeah, like she thinks she is. Like someone's right. idea of what she that looks, looks like. like. She looks like she is. Yeah. So, but she lives in those cold mountains and she's not dressed very warmly. No. She's, no. Not. she's wearing leather top, it looks like. I guess I'm just bothered by it because it's such a mishmash. It looks like. It's diverse. Mm, it's less mm. diverse. Than yeah, I, 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 I would no. say like maybe tacky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like taking a bit of every possible idea of what a warrior yeah. would would be, uh huh, and then putting it together on a woman. Have you read the book? No, yeah. I know someone that does like that series. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to say that the the content of the book isn't, you know, entertaining because I haven't read it and uh-huh. I know someone that does like it, but everything that I've heard about it and read about it and just even looking in the cover, the cover has no, like very little correlation to what takes place in the story. Uh, we've seen that before. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Her, her left arm looks a little like a Borg. Yeah. Well, it struck me as it looks a little steampunky, but it looks mm-hmm. more fantasy than steampunky. But it's mm-hmm. like this. I'm all right. Maybe maybe it's I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> She's a little bit fantasy yeah. and a little bit steampunk and a little bit. Oh, I don't know what I am. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. All right. So yeah, no, I like. Uh, maybe the writing's decent. Maybe it's an interesting story, but the cover just—I'm like, no. Uh, so, um, let's see. All things I've read about this is that it is a story of courtly drama. Uh, the 17-year-old Curious Vane grew up in a small village on the edge of the realm. Beautiful, destitute, and desperate. She's looking to get out any way she can. So, what happens? Her life changes when a strange woman appears with the key to her escape. An offer to take her to the capital, a life she's never dreamed of. And she wants her to become a companion. She'll be required to wear expensive dresses, learn to conduct suitable magic, educate herself on court proclivities... And in the end, chain herself to the highest bidder, a patron for life. Uh, she learns about luxury and let's see, intrigues and power struggles, and that her new life in luxury demands a high price, perhaps even the life of a prince. 
Nowhere in this description does it say anything about her learning to fight uh, or use a sword like the, that. But or the blurb on the back like that. that I'm reading, just look at that in the middle. Look right in the middle where it says. Oh, yeah. Well, so maybe she does. But So read it. Marrying the heir to the throne is one thing. Killing for him, quite another. But you're right. In, your, in the blurb, there was nothing at all about that. But that still doesn't tell me that she learns to do anything with that samurai sword. If you're going to be... <laughs> if you, you know, this is a court yeah. drama. That's she's, not how you would go about killing your rivals. <laughs> she's a magician. She that's can a, just mind a, throw it. <laughs> so this is one of those i know that this is one of those ones that it came out on amazon it's one of the books that in a series you can get the first one for free but then you have to go and buy all the other ones hmm. so if something like that does happen i imagine that this is just a prelude to that and none mm-hmm. of that takes place in this one the, oh, the killing probably dude. happens much later but you have to get the other books to find out. Huh. So I would read that book. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because you like the cover? Because it's, it's um, you know, the old romancy king-queen kind of stuff. I'm kind of into that kind of stuff. Um, let's see. There was a series that I read, and it kind of sounds a little bit like that. So... It doesn't necessarily sound original, mm-hmm. but it sounds uh, like the girl from a small poor town gets saved and she goes off where there's all this rich and money and she marries the prince and, you know, it's her getting out of Sounds like a Hallmark story. movie. Kind of, yeah, see? Yeah. Without Lori Laughlin. And with an with a, a sword right. <laughs> and with a sword and some magic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So all the reviews I read of it that's the kind of the comments I read is that there's this cover that looks like this, but there's no she doesn't mm. do any of that stuff. So yeah, okay. it's suggested that she does later, but Hmm. Anyway, I like to give that cover a hard time, I think. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to read it and to mm-hmm. see whether or not I agree with y'all. And also the title. I'm not a huge fan of the title. It seems odd. What does yeah. that even mean? Sworn to raise. To raise. Sworn to raise. R-A-I-S-E, not R-A-Z-E. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. She's raising something. What is she going to raise? Taxes. Sword. <laughs> Taxes for sword. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Children. Maybe. Although I was once told that you raise corn, you rear children. But that's a bunch of hooey. You don't raise children. You raise adults. That's what I've heard. That's a different thing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, Denise, what else do you have? Diamonds are forever. Ian Fleming. Huh. I think I've heard of this before. <laughs> but look at this amazing cover. Yeah. It looks like James Bond in space with a couple of bimbos. And, and that's what diamonds are for. Maybe some diamonds. <laughs> Things are exploding in the background. And I'm, not helicopters too, I'm not really sure what. In space? Yes. 
Because look at him. He's in space. What's that? Is is that a Sean Connery face? Oh, like yeah. Okay, that is Sean Connery there. All right. As 007. I, I don't remember any of those movies. Wow. I mean, I know I've watched some James Bond movies, but I don't know if they were ever space-related. On the back, it's like, this is like a movie poster, I will tell you, because on the back it says, Albert R. Broccoli <laughs> and Harry Saltzman. Those are, yeah, those are the producers. Those are, the that's the real names, yeah. of the whole series. Yeah. Present Jean Connery as James Bond. In I Am Fleming's Diamonds Are Forever, starring Jill St. John as Tiffany Case, Charles Gray, also starring Lana Wood as Plenty O'Toole, uh, Gina Dean, Bruce Cabot. Oh my gosh, I have seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> Produced by Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. Directed by Guy Hamilton. United Artists Entertainment from Transamerica Corporation. So I really would have liked to have seen this cover before it became a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this book was originally published in 1956. So what's our copyright date on this? 1956? They would not have allowed women dressed like that on the cover of a well, book. No, they wouldn't. But this is the movie poster. So yes. this is not 56, but it's not recent either. No, no, no. It says the copyright is 1956. Well, I guess it doesn't say anything about cover art or anything. Mm-mm. I know we we added it to the collection in 1988. <laughs> okay, let me see. So does the story involve diamonds? So the movie came out yes. in 71. <laughs> Okay, James Bond, equipped with an armory of high-tech gadgets, infiltrates a Las Vegas diamond smuggling ring in a bid to foil a plot to target Washington with a laser in space. See, told you, space. This was written in the 50s, and they're talking about lasers from space? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Is that where the Moonraker comes from? Uh, Or is that another another movie? That's a different movie. Because that was a that was a um, the saint that guy, Roger Moore. That was a Roger Moore movie. What is it with villains in the moon? Lasers on the moon. What is it not with that? I, I mean, know. why wouldn't you put them there? You could target the whole Earth all at once. All you need is a mirror, and that's in a synchronous orbit with the moon and then you could re- or sort of at an angle so you could just reflect the laser <coughs> off of the mirror and hit any more okay that you want. let's see so what is it about putting as much detail or not detail into the back flaps of these books like the blurb on this thing is super long <laughs> Like, just tell me the whole movie or book or whatever, (laughs) whatever I'm looking at right now. Well, and I think that that's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. They don't do that as much anymore. Yeah, it's just a very short, right? Yeah. Well, I'd rather have something than nothing because sometimes I pick up a book and there's nothing. It's just this author thought this book was great and that's all you get. Or this is like a great thriller and but it doesn't tell you, it doesn't even have anything on the dust jacket to tell you what 
it's supposed to be about. Okay. So I think the lasers in space were added for the movie. Yes, because this... Because I'm not seeing anything about lasers in space. Yeah, because the book says oh. millions of dollars worth of diamonds are being smuggled around the world through a pipeline protected by death-dealing American gangsters and sophisticated millionaires. And there is no... Weird. That. British secret oh. agent James Bond with a rare double O prefix... That gives him the license to how, kill. How many can there be, right? <laughs> Double O, and then you have six digits? That doesn't make sense. Is ordered to join the Spangled <laughs> Gang, expose it, and wipe it out. Yeah. The Spangled, spangled Gang. The Spangled Gang. Because they're American. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> That's great. I want to know what happened to agents 001 and 002. <laughs> See, that's it. the thing. You can have <laughs> up to nine double O agents. Mm-hmm. Okay. At any given time. But when one of them okay. falls by the wayside, uh-huh. you replace them. Right. So they don't necessarily go in order anymore. Right? Okay. Right. So 007, there just would have been a, <coughs> an opening at seven. So he's not necessarily the seventh one. Right, he's not in seventh place. He no, just, he was just. At it's the just like spot. numbers on a sports team. Yeah. So Bond doesn't regard his assignment as a tough one. He had always thought of American mobsters as perfume bums in monogrammed shirts who were nothing like the murder and torture <laughs> experts of his old Russian enemy, Smirsh. Smirsh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm so scared. Woo. <laughs> Sounds like a little blue thing with a white hat. Oh my goodness gracious. You don't take this seriously at all. I think James Bond is not supposed to be taken seriously. What? I know that they, I just think it's funny that they decided to make fun of James Bond and the um, Austin Powers movies when it already pretty much was a send up of itself. At well, some point. all the Roger Moore ones definitely were send-ups of the whole genre. It, yeah. Oh, I haven't watched James Bond in a long time except the new Daniel Craig ones, which are very, very serious, serious again. Yes. So it's like, that's why I think they had to go back and just do the whole origin story and all that Reboot. all over again because they're completely What's different. What's standing on? Sort of thing. It looks like a giant electromagnet. Is that what it is? But he's not really standing oh, on anything. Or is it the horseshoe in Las he's, Vegas? He's kind of just sort of floating there because he's not really standing on anything. He's not. That huh. it looks like he's being held there by his head by that little orb thing. <laughs> him up. Yeah, it looks like a crane sort of or something but like that. But look at his feet. Like he's not actually standing on it. Yeah, I don't think that he would be able to to keep his he, balance like that. He's got one heel, and then his other foot is missing. Yeah. It's not there. It's behind the thing. That's <laughs> there's weird. There's a step back there that he's... <laughs> that is very weird. So, <clears throat> so, Chris, you made a comment about um, finding books that don't have blurbs. Yeah. And just have comments. Well, I chose to read a book based on a comment. Hmm. I don't know, a review. But I didn't want to read the blurb because 
so many blurbs give things away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so I will show you my cover, and I'm I've covered the title on this one. Kind of it bent. Okay. I know what that book is called. Don't tell me, because you saw it at lunch. No, I saw it a long time before that. <laughs> it looks like a novelization of Where the Wild Things Are. It looks demonic. Yeah, that's I was going to say, it looks like. more like Dante's Inferno than... Yeah. Well, that's what I always thought of Where the Wild Things Are. It was never my favorite. Yeah, it's kind of no, creepy. The color scheme is different, but... no. Oh, my goodness, there's one holding a person... Yeah. It looks like the cover of a black metal album. What's, um, so, what's anti-Santa Claus's name? The Krampus? The Krampus. That's yeah. it. It looks like yeah, Krampus. It looks it like does. a Krampus book. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to describe. It's like this monkey-looking thing with weird teeth, and it's yellow and red and black. And um, then it looks like there's dead people, and the monkey thing is holding them. And It's like they're being but carried away. stomping on them. Yeah. It's called A Good and Happy Child. Really? By Justin Evans. So. Weird. The, the comment that I read about it was. Oh, now where is it? Oh, no. The one that just made me. Yeah. Now I'm not finding it. See, the little creepy guys look different here. So look- now you regret reading it. No, because I started reading it. Blurb. <laughs> but it's very. Oh, this one. Yeah, this is it. <clears throat> so incredibly scary and unnerving. Man, did this get under my skin in the very best way. That was Brad Meltzer, author of The Book of Fate. Hmm. Hmm. So I thought it's creepy. Yeah, so I heard it was creepy. creepy. Wow. And so far it's kind of living up to its its to the hype. Yeah. Hmm. And it was written in 2007. That's when we got it. Yeah. So uh-huh. I don't know. I look at that stuff and I'm like, I don't even know what to think about that. I think <laughs> about maybe um the Caribbean and and um Voodoo like kind of stuff. Voodoo and kind of Mayan. Oh, kind of oh, stuff, okay. Maybe. That's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But Very a good and happy child. If I hadn't have read the blurb, mm-hmm. after I read the blurb, I'm like, yeah, that does look pretty kind of. <laughs> so would y'all read it? Yeah. Probably. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so far what i've read no you would not no <clears throat> you would put it down no. but i have started reading it i like it so far it hasn't been like super creepy mm-hmm. but i think it might get there hmm. okay well i've got one that i picked because it's got a really unusual cover it's called the house at the edge of night by katherine banner and the cover, what is that style? It, it, a little Art Deco maybe. Uh-huh. So there's there's a it's we're on the ocean and we can see off in the distance there's seagulls and there's a boat. It's kind of an odd shaped boat, but then in the foreground is a wave that 
curls over, and on the wave is, is a closed eye and a nose and a mouth, and it looks like a woman's face. And the wave, doesn't that look like her hair? Yeah, I guess it does. Maybe. And then around the edges, there are yellow flowers and greenery. So. It's kind of pretty. It seems romantic, kind of. I think someone got lost at sea, and those birds are <laughs> picking its bones. <mother>. Yeah. <laughs> the house at the edge of night. Huh. Yeah, a house, and it's got the ocean. Like, there's or no the house on here. Lake. It's a boat. <laughs> right. It's a houseboat? Is it also on the edge of the sea? It is. It is. So, this takes place at Castellamare, Castellamar, a sweeping saga about four generations of a family who live and love on an enchanting island off the coast of Italy. Combining the romance of beautiful ruins with the magical oh, tapestry of like, works by Isabel Allende. I don't know if I the little boat that. does look like what's it called, a gondola? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it kind of does because mm-hmm. of the weird it shape. It kind of does, doesn't it? So it's just about the family. It yeah. So it's historical fiction. I get you know, kind of one of those family saga sort of things that follows generation <laughs> after generation. Um. So, let's see. They have a cafe in the center of the island where the community just comes together. Um, a man who, who came from Florence, he and his wife settled there in discretions. Three sons and a daughter growing up with both humanity's cruelty and its capacity for love and mercy. Beautiful and haunting. A cruel count and his bewitching wife. A priest who loves scandal. A prisoner of war turned poet. An outcast girl who becomes his pillar of strength. A wounded English soldier who emerges from the sea. The people of Castellamar are transformed by two world wars and a great recession. So let me say the cover is very pretty. And I'm inclined to think I might read it, but mm-hmm. after hearing what it's about, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not interested. Not so much. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really not a lot of conflict, and it's I don't know. It just doesn't sound like there's a lot to grab my attention. Well, book page said. It's a fantastic Italian escape. So fine-tuned are the historic events that one almost forgets that Castellamar doesn't actually exist. Just like the characters, mm. the reader is torn between the romance of island life and the world beyond. Interesting. The house at the edge of night. That's all there is. Well, there's no award. There's, it doesn't say it's a bestseller. <laughs> so. But it's something, something combined with the best of Isabel Allende, which is very odd. She's not Italian. No, she is not. So I don't know why they thought it was Isabel Allende. Oh, well. Okay, so anybody else reading that book? 
I don't do yeah. historical fiction typically, uh-huh. but yeah, it's. I've read some good felt. historical fiction recently about kings and queens, which I mentioned <laughs> earlier was very interesting. <laughs> it sounds like the kind of book that I would not read. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not my pace, really. But the cover wouldn't have drawn you in either, would it? No, I probably wouldn't read it even more because of the cover. Even more because of the cover. Yeah, it, it looks like the cover that would be on a book that I wouldn't read. <laughs> <laughs> the cover almost looks like something you could put on a wall. A it, painting. It kind, kind of does, of. doesn't it? I mean, it's just that kind of... Something that has some interest to it that you would want to look at in like those um, paintings mm-hmm. that you can see. Like they paint other things into it. Hmm. There's a um, so you expect to see more, yeah, in this painting than there really is because there's not because the wave is part of the face yeah. and the yeah, it's all kind of blended together and. Who's the Hispanic um, artist that has those paintings that, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to find them for you. (laughs) That has those paintings. (laughs) As soon as I show you, you'll know what they are. Okay. Well, all. all that to say that book covers are important. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think they are, too. I think that don't judge a book by its cover is only useful for metaphorical purposes anymore. <laughs> like, if you're saying, like, don't judge somebody just by looking at them, mm-hmm. okay, that that's a, I guess that's a decent way to say that. Mm-hmm. But I think you totally can judge a book by its cover. Oh, yeah. Because I, I read... Well, as, yeah, go ahead. Well, I read some, some you know, a few websites on... Uh, book you know book cover design and stuff and had like a list of top uh, like top 14 book covers and what they can teach you and then you know how important it is that you you draw your reader into your story like just by looking at the cover like it's not the first line a lot of times it's the cover itself that that the reader is going to look at that and try to find out something about the story just from the way it looks you're either drawn in by the cover or you're not yeah. You know, if you have a boring cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. You're, it's going to diminish the chances of anybody picking it up just to, right. just to and, see what it's about. And this is the reason that we will, from time to time, replace classic books with yeah. newer editions. Because the cover yes. is more interesting. The, mm-hmm. the content didn't change. Nothing about it changed except the cover art. And particularly with kids, I think. Mm-hmm. If, if it's, you know... They are much more likely to check out the new Nancy Drew or Hardy Boys mm-hmm. who look contemporary than the ones from the 50s or the 60s or even the 70s or 80s. You mm-hmm. know, if they look dated, if they don't look like like current books, then mm-hmm. there's definitely something to that. I've got to show you this one. Okay. I'm going to show you the, the title, too. It's called, it's a blue book. It's called The Children's Book. Mm. And it's by A.S. Byatt, B-Y-A-T-T. Okay. Ooh, pretty dragonfly. It looks like a brooch. It, it does. does. Like, like <laughs> jewelry. Look closer. Look really close. 
So it looks like a dragonfly on the on the cover. Uh-huh. It's a pretty turquoise uh-huh. color. Um, That's cool. But the title is the children's book. Yeah. That's just intriguing to me. So, yeah, pass the book because... Hmm. Wait your turn. It's coming. <laughs> and then I'll tell everybody. The suspense is killing you, isn't it? Okay. It's I think it's going to be faces or something in it. Oh! It, it's like the head of a woman in her... It looks like a jade statue. Yeah. Like but the, it's like the like children's a, book. Yeah. What yeah. is this about? <laughs> yeah. Dragonflies and this woman on top of it. It almost looks like the dragonflies eating her. But then. Yes. It looks like it has dragon feet. Yeah. Yeah. Or some kind of claw. Yeah. Mm hmm. But then it looks like it's eating her, but then she's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea what it's about. I didn't read it. <laughs> Spans the Victorian era through the World War One years and centers around a famous children's book author and the passions, betrayals, and secrets that tear apart the people she loves. That doesn't sound nearly as intriguing as the cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Implies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it also seems like the cover has nothing to do with what the book is about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so it says a talented... Okay, so he finds another boy that could be a character out of one of Olive's magic tales. Ooh. She takes him into the storybook world of her family and friends. So, I don't know. It sounds somewhat intriguing. Would y'all read it? Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. <laughs> At least You're not. Too thick. Not based on what I know. <laughs> and we're going back to historical fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It only has six hundred and seventy-five pages. Mm-hmm. Only. I would it's only go that read. many pages for fantasy. <laughs> well, it sounds <laughs> like it's fantasy. If if the author has to spend the first third of the book building a world i'll i'll put up with that makes sense (laughs) if it takes them that long just to tell a story nah not so much (laughs) yeah i'm all about shorter stories i think that sometimes a lot of the times i think stories are too long in books i'm i always like why did you have to use 1000 pages to tell this story sometimes i do get to a point in the book that it's like blah 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 (laughs) yeah why do i Mm-hmm. I need to know the details of this and that and the other. I don't. You could have left that out and I would have been perfectly happy. <laughs> so like in this, in this book, what does it start with saying? A, uh, a good and happy child. The, sorry, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny because it starts talking about his parents. It just starts talking about my parents. Your parents? No, in this book, he says, my parents and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I don't need to know the history of your parents. Huh. Oh, but look at that. I love it when I find my name in books. (laughs) (laughs) Rosie Fingered Dawn. (laughs) Oh, it's like the morning came. Dawn was here. Well, Denise, do you have another one? Okay. 
So I have I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive by Steve Earle. Okay. Um, yes, that's Steve Earle, the singer, songwriter Steve Earle, who's released many, many albums. Grammy winner Steve Earle. So this cover looks like a mix between a collage and a map. Because there's all mm-hmm. these little, like, paths, but they're all mm-hmm. just, like, little cutout things that you would make Yeah, for a collage. And I'm not really sure what any of that means. Well, it's a very pa- interesting cover. The paths like, are all different symbols, too. Uh-huh. Some of them are solid lines. Some of them are dashes. Some of them are... It's very busy. like constellations. Yeah, they kind of do. Some of them do, mm-hmm. but not all of them. Wow, that's interesting. So what do you guys think? I don't know. It sounds it like... fruit fruity. I don't know. <laughs> Did you already read something about it? Did I miss <laughs> something? Nope. Uh-uh. I just showed you the, the cover. She didn't I, tell us The anything. first thing I think is it's going to be... I showed you the title and who Steve Earle is if you don't know who Steve Earle is. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. I think of something like. So there's music at the top of the cover. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, there is. We could play that. Probably because of Steve Earle. You can t- you can tell what that is all the way from there. Sort of. It's hard to tell. I mean, I can see the rhythm from here. So let's see what it is about. It makes me think of like Catch-22 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So the inside blurb says, Doc Ebersole lives with the ghost of Hank Williams. Not just in the figurative sense. Not just because he was one of the last people to see him alive. And not just because he is rumored to have given Hank the final morphine dose that killed him. In 1963, 10 years after Hank's death, Doc himself is racked by addiction. Since he lost his license to practice medicine, his morphine habit isn't as easy to support. So he lives in a rented room in the red light district on the south side of San Antonio, performing abortions and patching up the odd knife or gunshot wound. So he is a backdoor doctor. Wow. Now, could you have guessed any of that? No. no. None of that at no. all. <clears throat> no. I mean, I if I looked really closely at some of those things, maybe there would be something to relate to Hank Williams or to... No. No, I'm not even seeing any. Yeah, no, none of that. Uh-uh. San Antonio? No. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything That makes you think of San Antonio. Do, do I? That, what is that building on the side of the book? Is that something we'd recognize? Is no. That, is it a building? It is a building. It looks like an apartment building of some sort. Yep. Oh, uh, very generic then. Yep. Weird. So Graciela comes in search of dog services. When she comes in searching for his services, miraculous things begin to happen. Graciela bears a wound on her wrist that never heals. 
Yes, she heals others with the touch of her hand. So there we go. Wow. Hmm. Oh, I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive is a song by Hank Williams. Nah. So, okay, unless you knew that. (laughs) Did not know that. It's also the name of a studio album by Steve Earle. That makes sense. And now, (laughs) it's a book. (laughs) Oh, yeah. His newest album, also entitled I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive, was produced by T-Bone Burnett. Oh, we know him. No, we really do. He did the he did the music for that that Jeff Bridges uh, uh, movie where Jeff Bridges was the country singer something Crazy about Crazy Heart it. Crazy Heart that's the oh. one T Bone Burnett I think won uh, an Oscar maybe Wow I might read that Yeah I might not too dark and gritty for you. Because it doesn't sound like a lot of happy things happen in well, that. Well, no, but but it's short. That's true. It is so short. So I can move on to something else pretty quick. <laughs> Recover. But but Texas, that you know, I grew up, not that I listen to country music now, but I grew up listening to uh-huh. country music. So Hank Williams was, yeah, yeah. was a, featured in my upbringing. And San Antonio featured mm-hmm. in my upbringing. I grew up in Austin, so... All those things are interesting and and just, you know. I wonder if his album correlates in any way with his book. Yeah, that would be interesting to know, wouldn't Hmm. it? I would also like to find out what all that stuff means on the book cover. Oh, yeah. I would love to have somebody just give me a gloss of that. What if it doesn't mean anything? It's got to mean something. But what if it doesn't? If if you don't if if you have a book cover designed that doesn't have anything to do with anything, it wouldn't have that many little pieces in it. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. It's possible. And because Steve Earle is an artist, mm-hmm. not a not a visual artist, but he's an artist, I think he would probably have a little bit of leverage to insist that the cover art be at least something meaningful, even if he didn't get to design it himself. Yeah. Or, you know, have input or whatever. I can understand why there's music on the cover. Yeah. That makes sense. There's one. Somebody (laughs) might (laughs) So I've got one. It's called Tiger Lily's Orchids. And the cover... You're you're in a room or something, and it's and there's a perspective where this tiny doorway is open right in the center, but you're standing way back in the room. The room is dark. It's kind of the the door is gray, and yeah, the walls are black. The door is gray, and then through the door you see plants, including orchids. Yeah. Tiger, Tiger Lily's, Lily's orchids. orchids. Is that a Peter Pan retelling? Yeah, you know, that was my that's first the first impression. thing I thought of. But no. It's Ruth Rendell. Hmm. So, the, 
The little blurb starts, is it dangerous to know too much about your neighbors? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. When you say it that way, I might want to (laughs) know. Well, I'm like, I don't need to know that. (laughs) Of course. I guess. So, Tiger Lily is a young, beautiful Asian woman who lives in the townhouse opposite Stuart's building. Stuart is the main character. And he invites all the residents of his building to a party, a housewarming party. And somehow, Tiger Lily is involved in it. As though from some strange urban fairy tale, she emerges infrequently to exert a terrible spell. So this is what the Boston Globe said about this book. Disgraceful behavior has rarely been written about so gracefully. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Okay. I guess if you want to read about disgraceful behavior, that's what this is. But, yeah. The cover is very simple, but that that open door onto this Mm -hmm. lush vegetation, including orchids, is just kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. It's very... It's very... It's very... It grabs... Grabs the attention. Yeah. But you don't know why. Yeah. Really. Hmm. But, all right. Here it is. Anybody want that one? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Your loss. <laughs> Although it is here at the library for oh. anyone to check out. I have some fun book cover stuff I can talk about. Yeah, go. Just I I mention this every now and then. Um cuz we used to have this book. I'm sure we had this book unless there's another book that has the same cover. Which would mean that three things have this cover. Uh-oh. Has anybody heard of Secondhand Serenade? Uh-uh. Musician band. Secondhand Lion. No, that's not it. <laughs> he did an album called A Twist in My Story, and it has this album cover of, it looks like kind of like a futon or something like that, and there's like a string of lights over it in this room, and there's somebody that looks like they have angel re- wings laying mm-hmm. on the on the sofa, Kay. and they're facing with their back mm-hmm. away, so the wings are like hanging off the side. Uh, that's the cover of the album. Well, there's a book with the same cover. Is it an Alice Hoffman book? Maybe. Oh. Not this one. Oh. There's a book called Absolution by Carol Ramsey. Hmm. And it has the same cover. <laughs> but Wait, You know those Tracy Peterson books? Like that one oh, yeah. blonde girl? I've seen her in so many covers. book covers. Uh. <laughs> She's a book cover model, huh? Alice Hoffman. That sounds right. I bet. I bet that that's on that cover too. Let's see. Let's see. This one is what I'm thinking about. Hold on. Are you thinking of that dragonfly one, like on the Museum of Extraordinary Things? I'm thinking of the third angel. Yep, it's on that book too. Oh my god! That's it right there. That's the one I was thinking of. I bet we have that one still. Yes, I'm sure we do. Oh, from a distance, it looked like a bird. Yeah, so that same, that exact same image has Whoa. been used on 
all of those materials. <laughs> hmm. huh. Stock photos. Stock photos. So I wonder if it worked. Weird. Because that, that doesn't, I mean, that's not just a stock photo like a stock photo. That's, that's a really unusual image. Is the coloring the same on the, all of them? Cause the, the secondhand serenade one is like in sepia or sepia oh, okay. or whatever. So okay. there's no co- So like it's colors. an old-timey photo. Yeah. And the Alice Hoffman has the purple futon and then a, a red and orangey kind of rug underneath, blue wall behind. Mm-hmm. Huh. That is really interesting. It's really frustrating sometimes. Uh, this made me think of, um, like, mass market paperback romances and westerns uh-huh. and things like that where you can tell no one bothered to read the book and put the cover art with yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be somebody whose job it is to know enough about the book to tell the cover art person it's this. Mm-hmm. But when... The artwork, you know, the people or the place is completely wrong. It's like, really? Did no one even notice that was not what this is? <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. Oh, well. I, so, in looking at things about book covers, I found websites where you can purchase book covers for your books. Really? Yeah. yeah, and they have it all laid out. Like, you scroll down, and there's, like, there's this one with spaceships, and there's one with, like... You know, a guy that looks like a Viking or a Scottish warrior, or, hmm. or there's like an old rundown house, and they all have like these really, you know, kind of cliche titles, and then it says like your subtitle here. Uh. So it's essentially like you buy this cover, and then it's like insert your title here, yeah. insert your subtitle oh, here. This is where your name goes. <laughs> how funny! Yeah. So that's a thing. I went to a to a panel discussion once. It was romance authors. And um, there was there was one person who um, was a self publisher, and she always got her friends to pose for her book covers, and she said it was sometimes kind of awkward, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what she did: is she got her friends to pose and got another friend who actually does photography to to photograph them, and then made her own book covers. Mm-hmm. But. At least that way she would know that they look somewhat like the right period or right. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. sort of like the cu- the characters in her book. Yes, I would want to have a direct say in what my yeah. cover looked like. Most most early authors anyway don't get much don't say get at that. all. Yeah. I think it, it may be a little different now that you at least get to see it before it goes to print. Right. <laughs> but I you know, I've read so many stories of children's book authors and illustrators who never communicate with each other. Yeah. You know, one does their work, it sends it off to the other, and they do it, you know. Usually it's the author first, but depending on who they are, if it's a really famous illustrator, Mm -hmm. they just do artwork, and then somebody has to write the words to go with the story (laughs) or something. But it it makes so much more sense if they would communicate and be working together, I would think. Yeah. I guess until you're established and you have a reputation and some kind of clout, you don't get to necessarily have that say. Yeah. I was just thinking about a, um, 
I was listening to an author went to a, a session and it was Margaret Engel and mm-hmm. um, Mike Carrado. Okay. And um, he, he actually is author illustrator, but he illustrated one of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't remember what, which one it was. One of the children's books. Um, but they were very interesting to listen to. I just really enjoyed mm-hmm. listening to them and how they work together and, uh, you know, talked about, yeah. you know, because she had such a vision and mm-hmm. he went down there actually to Cuba and re- stayed down there for a little while and stayed with some of her family oh, even, okay. wow. um, and was taken around to some of these different areas and it was hmm. kind of cool. Wish I remembered the name of that book. We've got it <laughs> in English and Spanish, I believe. <laughs> I know what book that is. <gasps> I knew it. <laughs> so this is a, a plain cover, oh. pretty much, and it shows bees on it. Is this the the Constant Gardener? It yes. is. Yeah. All right. This was also turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah. Same With movie. Ralph Fiennes and Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Oh yep. my gosh! I don't read books and I don't watch movies. I guess. <laughs> So, I guess you guys all know about it. I don't know about it. I mean, I knew there was a movie. I knew there was a book. I don't really know much about it. So, the the Constant Gardener, looking at it with bees, I'm thinking maybe they killed somebody and, you know, planted (laughs) stuff over their body. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I thought it maybe had to do with... I don't know if Rachel Weisz and Ray finds her in it. There's obviously some kind of horrible conflict, but I think it's some kind of spy thing. Uh, well, John Lucare, that makes sense, yeah. but the Constant Gardener doesn't make any. And sense. there's a, a conspiracy of sorts. Yeah. Um, I think the main a character. Well, conspiracy. The main character <laughs> is the Constant Gardener because he's a. That's how he gets in on the conspiracy. Um, he is doing his garden, you know. And, and he's about to do, he's about to put out some kind of like pesticides or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and the character that Rachel Weiss plays gets super upset at him and is like, how can you use that? You're going to kill the bees. And and he's like, well, does this cause like birth defects and unborn children? And and that's not what it is at all. It's like the it was manufactured by some, you know, something and it's linked back to some big conspiracy I don't, I don't remember all the details, but I remember that's what it was. It was like yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that um, weird. It starts the the blurb says frightening, heartbreaking, and exquisitely calibrated. Uh, it opens with the gruesome murder of the young and beautiful Tessa Quail near Northern Kenya's Lake Turkana, the birthplace of mankind. Oh, there's an African lover and traveling companion. So you got murder and love. Yeah. And bees. And bees. And gardening. <laughs> and conspiracy. And gardening, which is the best. Right? <laughs> Weird. Hmm. I'm sure the book has much more details than the movie did. <laughs> I'm sure. That, that thing's giant. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a very thick how many book. How many pages are in here? Over... 450. 800. Oh. 491. Probably. That's about it. 491. Two. 
Hmm. I don't know. I might read it. Is it kind of like a um, Grisham book? Kind of like that kind of a... I don't know. I don't think I've ever read any John Grisham. What? I think, I think John Grisham is more like legal thriller type. Like hometown. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've read, you know, I've we, read could, one we can make Matthew McConaughey a lawyer, then that's a John Grisham book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the Ivanovich thing, the, uh, what is her name? The water lady. The water lady? Oh, she uncovered all the, the bad water in, in um, North Carolina area, yeah, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. yeah, what did I say? You said Janet Ivanovich. <laughs> I was like, you mean the num- the numbers? The number lane? Not Stephanie Plum. Oh. <laughs> I've been reading those. They're funny. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I have read a couple anyway. of John LeCrae, and, and they're very serious spies. The ones I've read are like Cold War mm-hmm. spies. Mm-hmm. So his early ones. Yeah, that seems more like but him. I think yeah. that that just about covers it. Oh, <laughs> Chris. We talked about it cover How to cover. How long have you been waiting to say that? <laughs> He's like, since I said something about we got it covered. Yes. <laughs> Three seconds after that. <laughs> we have all these books at the library. Yes, we do. We do. If you want to come check them out. Mm-hmm. Feel free to judge a book by its cover. Absolutely. We will not judge you for that. And yeah. then read it. Or but, don't. Or don't. And if you want to read any of the books that we talked about today, please be very descriptive in <laughs> <laughs> in what the book looks like. You know that one yeah. book with the blue cover? <laughs> like, well. And the dragonfly lady brooch. Right. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one I want. Yeah. But if you just stop that blue cover, we, yeah, we, yeah, we can't really can't help you. Help you. <laughs> yes. Hopefully we mentioned the titles and the authors enough that we have something more to we go on to search for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. so. We're good. <laughs> so. All right. It's the Long Overdue Podcast. <laughs>